Welcome to The Leader's Notebook with Dr. Mark Rutland. Dr. Rutland is a world-renowned leadership expert. He is a New York Times best-selling author, and he has served as the president of two universities. The Leader's Notebook is brought to you by Global Servants. For more information about Global Servants, please visit our website, globalservants.org. Here is your host, Dr. Mark Rutland. You have your Bibles. You'll take those and turn to the book of Jeremiah, the 29th chapter. I'm doing a series of teaching on theological issues, uh, the, the character and nature of God. What is, what is God like? We talked about God as a holy God. Second, we talked about holiness and the life of the believer. How do we, how do we walk between the extremities of, of dogmatic legalism and, and, and licentiousness? How do we experience God's holiness in our lives? Tonight uh, will probably be one of the more challenging of this in this whole series. Uh, I want to speak tonight on the will of God. And I, I would say that, especially dealing with young people, I've, I've spent 16 years as the president of two different universities, and I would say that probably, at least in the top three, maybe the number one question I got had to do with the will of God. So tonight I want to deal with the will of God and have the teaching. I hope you've enjoyed these little skits I wrote to go with them. That is not like me. I don't usually do that kind of thing, but I just felt that it would liven up some of this teaching on theology if we had some, some of these skits. And I think uh, Josh and Dave have done a wonderful job on these skits, don't you? I like, I like Josh and Dave. It sounds like an ice cream company. <laughs> All right. Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 11. God is speaking. This is first person. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you, King James says, an expected end. In my view, probably it ought to be translated. The problem is the translation is awkward in contemporary English. But if you read it in Hebrew, I think it should be translated to give you an afterward. In other words, after everything, I have something after everything to give you an afterward that you can look forward to. Something that is expected after everything that is so wonderful. Now to Romans chapter 8 and verse 28, probably one of the more frequently quoted passages of scripture from the book of Romans. Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Now, I want us to pray the first part of the Lord's Prayer. How many of you, uh, we've, we've really made a wonderful uh, journey into the Lord's Prayer in the last few years, haven't we? How many of you still pretty regularly pray the Lord's Prayer? Will you raise your hand? Oh, that's wonderful. That blesses my soul. I want us to pray the very first part uh, up through dealing with the issue of the will of God. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Will you pray with me? Right out loud. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Amen. When I was in uh, undergraduate school at the University of Maryland, I, I took a... Um, relatively blasphemous course called philosophy. Um, 
the professor was an aggressive and militant atheist, and if he found out you were a Christian in there, your life wasn't worth living. So evidently, somebody ratted me out, and uh, one day he called on me, Mr. Rutland, will you please stand? I stood up. He said, uh, I understand you're a Christian. I said, yes, uh, Dr. Johnson, I'm a Christian. He said, then, then you must believe in God. I said, well, yes. Actually, it's something of a prerequisite. I, I do believe in God. He said, can your God do everything? Can your God do anything? I thought, this is my chance to make a bold testimony to this atheist in this whole class. And I put my hot little hand in the air and I said, yes, sir, Dr. Johnson, my God can do everything. My God can do anything. He said, then riddle me this. Can your God make a rock that he cannot pick up? Well, you see, he had me, didn't he? If he could make the rock, then he couldn't pick it up, and that violated the given. If he couldn't make the rock, then that violated the given. But that, that's philosophical and intellectual bubblegum. If I had only known what I know now, I've often thought through the years about going back to the University of Maryland, see if that turkey would ask me that question one more time. Because if I had known what I know now, I could have completely bamboozled him. He had worked that little scheme. He had practiced it and honed it to a razor's edge, and he used it to gut the faith of unsuspecting freshmen. But the problem was he counted on my saying, yes, can God do everything? Yes. If I had it to do over again, I realized that question is of utmost importance. It is the most important question of your life and your eternity. Can God do everything? And it demands an answer of bold and biblically informed faith. But the answer is not yes. The answer is no. God cannot do everything. God cannot sin. God cannot lie. God cannot will, think, or speak in opposition to his own nature. And God cannot quit being God. Now, that's, that's the great secret. We begin with the holiness of God. God said to Moses, I am that I am. Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto thee. Therefore, if the will of God Therefore, the will of God finds its source in the character of God. Because God is altogether good, his will must be altogether good. He loves us, therefore his will usward is good. Look at what this means. This means that when we pray the Lord's Prayer, the very beginning of the Lord's Prayer begins on two things, the fatherhood of God and the will of God. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You're good, you're Father, and you're holy. Your name is holy. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. The challenge comes when we start thinking about how that works. What does it mean about life? What does it mean about world events? What is the relationship between the way things work in our lives and in the world and the character and nature of an almighty and powerful God? If we don't think through that clearly, 
we can come up with some very scary and negative ideas about the will of God. Hello? Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, excuse me. Are, are, are you God? Mm-hmm. Sure am. And this is the will of God cosmic computer. Huh. Well, I, uh, I just need some guidance. Can't you see that I'm busy? Yeah, but... But what? Okay, look, look, look. Look at this screen, okay? You see this little dog right there? You see that? Okay. Look, well, he's coming down 4th Street, all right? And the truck that's about to hit him is almost there. Ooh, looks like I need to slow it down just a little bit. I don't understand. Of course you don't. You're not God, are you? Neither is that little boy who owns the dog. Here comes the truck, perfect, and bam! Aha! One dead doggy. One sad little boy. You did that? Of course. It was my will. But, but why would you do that? Beyond your grasp. Absolutely beyond your grasp. Well, I suppose you're God. Oh, you suppose? I don't care what you suppose. <laughs> well, well, what, what else is going on? Uh, wait a minute. Okay, look. There's not just my, uh, my day-to-day will, all right? There's also, you know, the, uh, the, uh, the main stuff, all right? You know, like, the, there's not just the big stuff. There's also the day-to-day stuff, all right? There's, um, okay, for instance... Uh, remember, um, remember when you were out the other day and you were at the mall and you were looking for a parking lot uh, and you couldn't find a space except for far away out in the back? You remember that? Huh? Yeah, huh? Yeah, that, wait, that was you? And then you got out and you shut the door. What happened after that? Rain. I mean, it was a downpour. I mean, I got soaked. There you have it. My will. Say, um, isn't this your house? And, um, oh, that cute little girl, isn't, isn't that your daughter? Yeah, no, she's adorable. Please. I've got my eye on her. No, no. Um, hold on, um, Amy, a- a- Amy, Amy, is this you? Amy, I need you to stay home. Stay, go to, go to the garage as soon as you can. I, wait there until I get back. I'm coming, sweetheart. Hold on. If we're not careful, we begin to dread the will of God. We begin to comprehend a God who's sitting in heaven, pulling the wings off of butterflies. A truck veers across the center line and head-ons into a family and wipes the family out. I find no comfort, and I don't like it when I have to visit the funeral home and somebody tries to deal with the bereaved family by saying, well, I guess it was the will of God. I don't comprehend that the will of God is veering drunk drivers over the yellow line and wiping out families. But the problem is this, God is all-powerful. So how do we work this? How do we deal with this in our thinking? There are two equal and opposite realities. One is that we can see God as we saw here 
sitting in heaven, sending either calamities or blessings, that he looks down from heaven and says, okay, okay, it's time for a heart attack at 2701 First Street. And he zaps some poor guy. But the problem with that is that we live in the world as it is. And not every single thing. If a light bulb goes out when you're trying to find something in the cupboard, it doesn't mean that God knocked it out. It may mean that you should have replaced it the week before. This is, this is a real challenge for us who, who toss off too casually the will of God. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 45 is a fascinating passage of Scripture. It says the sun rises on the evil and the good alike. When the sun comes up, everybody gets sun. The rain falls on the just and the unjust. Blessings, sunshine, we live in the world together. There are things that happen. Now listen to this. There are things that happen just because we live in the world as it is. Natural forces that are at work. Hurricanes come because of the nature and character of climate patterns. A low-pressure area develops off of the western coast of Africa and gains speed and temperature as it crosses the South Atlantic and then crashes into some island or into, the, into Florida or into some really important place like Texas. Now, I'm a Texan. Um, so, the, so the issue is, does God say, okay, time for a hurricane? It is simply that we live in a fallen universe. Things happen. The climate goes on. The sun rises. The rain falls. We live in the universe. Sometimes things happen because people sin. Sins that are committed are never committed in a vacuum. When people sin, Damage is unleashed. Destruction is unleashed in the universe. They suffer and others suffer. Sometimes that's us. Sometimes we suffer simply because somebody else sinned. And then sometimes we suffer because we did sinful or just stupid things. It's the hardest thing in the world to just face the fact of your own humanity. When you are nailing something and you smash your thumb with a hammer, do you really? Great! You've done it to me again. It's easier in a way, isn't it, to blame the hammer or to blame God than to just say how stupid I am. I have hammered my thumb yet again. This is not even the first time. Sometimes things just happen. The balance to that is this. God is good. He is altogether good and his will is altogether good. He can reach into the natural realm. Our God is a God of miraculous power. And he is moved by prayer. So what is the... What's the challenge for us here? And it's this. This is the theological and experiential challenge. If I live in the world as it is and things happen as they do, 
And not all of those things are the will of God. And my God is a God of miraculous power. And he is the sovereign God and he loves me. Can he stop anything bad from happening to me? And the answer to that is yes. Yes, he can. God could hover over our lives and keep everything from happening. Anything. God can watch over your life truck of that drunken driver that starts to veer over the yellow line, God can just move it back. God can send an angel to keep you. No one can break in your house. God can watch over you constantly. Nothing bad happened. You're just about to hammer your thumb and you can feel the mighty hand of God. Not now, stupid. Move your thumb. (laughs) But that leads us to this. Does God run the minutia of our lives? What about the parking lot issue? That's that's actually a pretty perfect example. We say there was no parking spaces near the front door of the mall. I had to park all the way in the back of the mall. And then as soon as I got out of my car and locked the door, the downburst came and I was soaked with rain. Is God just playing a trick on me? Does he just want me soaked by the time I get to Macy's? Is that that the issue? But then here's the other problem. Or I can sit in my car and say, Lord, I'm all the way out here at the back of the shopping mall. And it's pouring rain and I need to get in there. I've got to get in there. I need to get in Macy's. God, could you please stop the rain? He can. Can't he? But across town, there's a farmer who's about to lose his farm. His crop is burning up in the field. And he's saying, oh God, please, please send the rain. So in other words, both the farmer and I have the, have the privilege to go before God and make our petition known in faith. And God is a miracle working God and God may reach in by his will, by his will and do that miracle that I ask him for. The issue is not God's power. God is all powerful. God made the sun stand still in the valley of Ajalon so that Joshua would continue fighting. God can make the sun stand still. But what if he made the sun stand still every single time a Christian prayed in faith? Do you you realize the cataclysm that it would throw the universe into? So, So we have to walk in this balance. God is a God of miracle working power. He's a God whose will is good. He is good. He is holy. He doesn't will bad for me. He doesn't will evil for me. I can come to him and ask for miracles. I can come to him and ask for prayer. And God, God wants to give us what is good. His, his will for us, his thoughts usward are good. So when we pray, thy will be done, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. That's not a scary prayer. That's a prayer of submission to a God who is good and wills good for me. He hears us when we pray. Yes. He loves us. Yes. 
He wills good for us. Yes. But the issue is, I can't order God around in order for my, the details of my daily life. I don't seem to be able to make God make it not rain when I'm in the parking lot. Somehow or another, we've gotten the idea that just because I think of it and just because it would convenience me and just because it would help me in some way as I understand my life, then God has to answer my prayer. Sometimes he lets us just live in the world as it is. <sighs> the problem with that theology is this, then, isn't it? This is the theological conundrum. Are you saying then, Dr. Rutland, are you saying that we live in a random universe? That there's nothing that I can count on? I don't know. That makes it all feel scary. God is not evil. He's not hurting me. He's not sending bad stuff to me. But I can't always count on God to protect me every time. I can't count on everything to go right every time I pray. God, rain, make it rain now. Make it stop now. God, I need more ice cream. The cupboard is empty. The store is closed. Could you make ice cream just appear on the dining room table? God could make ice cream appear. Are we agreed on that? But there may come, there may come that moment. I'm just offering this for you. When God says, I hear your faith, I love you, I care for you, I know that you're praying in faith, believing, I believe in, I have given you the authority of the believer, but next time, go get the ice cream before Publix closes. Because I'm like, not making it happen tonight. Furthermore, he may say, I have another thought on the matter, my, my child, you've had enough ice cream. So, that, that, so when we say that will be done, it's not a scary moment. We're wondering if his will is good. By the same token, his will is not subject to our will. This is, this is a, a very, very basic question of life, and people struggle with it. Years ago, I, my mentor, gone to be in heaven, Dr. Tommy Tyson, wonderful, wonderful saint of God. I... Uh, I'd been being sort of taught by Tommy for some time, and I began to feel that I was about ready to resign my United Methodist Church and launch out into a work of evangelism and preaching and itinerant ministry. I sat in a room with Tommy one night. There were four or five of us there, and I began to go through all this. I said, Tommy, I, I feel like God is calling me to resign my church. I've talked to my wife about it. I'm going to began to travel, speak, and teach. But I, I said, I, I don't want to do this, Tommy. I just don't want to do this. I, I not, but I feel like God is just making me do it. I said, what do you think about that? Tommy was a great, big, robust person. And he had a funny way of talking. He, he, hey, 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 like that. He looked at me, put his hands out on his great big tummy, and he said, hey, what do I think? He said, he said, I think you're lying. I said, Dr. Tyson, what a thing to say. He said, well, you don't know you're lying, but you're lying. He said, you want to do it so bad you can taste it. I said, okay, what if that's true? I don't know if it's true, but what if it's true? Why would I be going through this whole song and dance about how I don't want to do it, but God is making me? He said, because 
You're just like most people. You think the will of God is like medicine. Unless it tastes bad, it isn't doing you any good. He said, sometimes the will of God, God gives you the desire for it. He creates it within you. He gives you the appetite for it. You want to do it. You see it as, as something wonderful and exciting and adventurous, but you're afraid that if you say, oh, that looks good. I'd like to do that. I want to do that. God will yank it back. So he said, you go through all this whole rigmarole. I don't want to. I don't want to. God is making me do this. He said, why don't you just say, God and I seem to be in agreement on this. It looks great to me and it looks great to God and go for it. How that's, you see how that works? Sometimes you just say, God, this is, this seems to be the right thing. Now, sometimes this is, this is the, probably the hardest part for people who believe that the will of God happens in every event in our lives. Here it is. Sometimes God doesn't even have a will in the matter. I know that's shocking. We had two kids, Travis and Rosemary. Loved them, cared crazy about them. Allison said, I'd like to have a third baby. We began to pray about it. And I pray and pray, God, you want us to have a third baby? Do you want us to have a third baby? God, what's your will in this matter? What's your... Has anybody ever prayed for anything? Just the belly of heaven is brass. I mean, I could not, nothing. I thought I prayed for Bible verses. I looked for things. I asked people to pray with me. Is it God's will for us to have a third baby? Is it God's will for us to have a third baby? Finally, late one night, I said, God, I've got to have an answer from you. Do you want us to have this third baby? And he said, do you want one? He did, I'm telling you, it came in my spirit. Do you want another child? I said, yes. He said, well, I have one. <laughs> I, I know this seems so down to earth and practical. Now, there are some things which are God's will, and we know they're, they're, that they're God's will. Salvation is God's will. It is immutable. It is always God's will. God wants you and everyone you know. God wants all to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. God wants to bless us. In blessing, I will bless thee. God wants to bless us. <laughs> the problem is we don't always know what's a blessing and what isn't. That's, that's where sometimes these people that order God around. You ever been with people that are praying that? They're just, they're just ordering God. It, Lord, we just want to remind you of your word. I was saying, he, he knows it. <laughs> really? I'm really, you're going to quote the Bible to God almighty. What if you get the verse wrong? <laughs> but th there, there are these times when we don't even know what's a blessing and, and God can tell you no. Say, God, I'm on standing in faith, believing, and I'm thanking you for this in advance and claiming it by faith and everything else. And God said, I hear all that. That's good. That's, I know you learned to pray like that, and it's good, good. But my answer is no. God can tell you no. That doesn't mean he's bad. It means that he understands what's good for you better than you do. He can tell you later. 
He can tell you later, there are times when God knows it's good for you to have what you want, but it's also good for you to learn how to wait on it. Sometimes he makes you wait, not because you need it later, but because you need to wait. So he wants to bless you. He's a good God. And you say, well, I don't enjoy the waiting. Yes, but see, he's like God and all. And sometimes you don't get it all till later. When I was in the eighth grade, ninth grade, I guess, there's a girl that moved into our school. Oh, my. I, I was infatuated. I mean, I wanted this girl to. I did everything. I would flirt with her, send her notes. You know how you do? You write the little notes and leave them on the desk. You know, and this, this girl would not give me the time of day. And I just tried everything, and, and I was a Christian. Boy, I prayed, oh, God, please make her love me. Make her love me. Turn her heart to me. I'm, she, married a, she married a fat boy named Tommy. I, I, just, I did not see her for 30 years. I'm back from my 30th year reunion of my high school. When she walked in the door, I said, oh, thank you, God. Oh, Jesus is Lord. The will of God is a good will. It's just that, it, it's just that we don't always have to get it exactly right. But if we don't get this, it can twist us up. We can begin to think about God like that. I, I, a man in my church years ago had a terrible stroke and it left him in terrible condition. I went to visit with his wife at the hospital and she was, she was in as bad a shape emotionally as he was physically. She said, can we go out in the room? And we went out in the hall and she said, oh, she said, Dr. Dr. Moore, she said, pastor, this is my fault. She said, this is my fault. I said, you gave your husband a stroke? She said, well, not exactly, but it's my fault. She said, when he had this stroke, we were waiting on the ambulance. I knelt down there on the floor beside him and I said, oh God, please let him live. Please let him live. God, please let him live. She said, I, I, I didn't think about saying healing. I just prayed, let him live. God said, okay, that's all you want. You got it. I said, sister, your God is my devil. God, God knows the situation. He's not grading your prayers. He doesn't correct them and hand them back to you like your seventh grade English teacher. You didn't pray it right. You didn't mention healing. You don't get healing. <laughs> just want him to live. Okay, you got him. Is that God? Is that your God? I'm not, I'm not inviting you to pray slovenly prayers. Pray well, pray wisely, pray seeking the will of God. But at the same time, understand that God is bigger and better and more powerful and more wonderful than your prayers. The will of God is, if we pray according to his will, According to his word, if we pray as he wants us to pray, we know that we have that for which we pray. That's a great verse of scripture. 
The problem is almost no one spends any time trying to figure out what he wants us to pray. We assume that what we want to pray has to be, it's my will, it must be the will of God. After I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it became evident that I was going to have to move <laughs> from the church I was at. I was, I was an associate pastor at a big Methodist church in Atlanta when I received the baptism. And uh, it, be, it made it pretty clear I was going to be moving. So I talked with some folks about it. I was new in the Holy Spirit, and they said, make a checklist. Make a checklist of all the things that you want and take it to God. Be specific. Tell God exactly what you want and pray over each item on your list by faith. Oh, I made my list. I wanted to be in a place with lots of growth potential. I want, you know, places where I can reach the young people. I want to open this to the Holy Spirit, all these things. And I prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And I just, it was like God had gone on vacation. Am I the only one? Any of y'all look out there looking so religious. You know you've had prayer times where you just felt like, hey, anybody else? Just ever, you just pray and pray and pray and pray, and it's like nothing. And, and finally, I said, God, uh, uh, please help me. And God said, I will answer your prayer if you pray what I tell you. I said, great. Tell me. He said, ask me for the church in the North Georgia conference that needs you the most. I'll answer that prayer. I prayed it. And he gave it to me. <laughs> it was a difficult, challenging, poor, tiny little church. And you know, when I pulled up in front of that church, I said, well, that's great. <laughs> you asked me to pray for the church that needed me the most, and here I am. But do you know what? Do you know what? It was one of the great blessings of my life. That sweet little country church absolutely opened like a flower to the power of the Holy Spirit. The, my first Sunday, there were good, sweet country people, just good people, salt of the earth. You know, Miss Kay, you know what I'm talking about. Just salt of the earth Methodist folks with no theological biases. <laughs> I walked in my pulpit at that new church the first Sunday, and I said, I'm Mark Rutland. I'm the new pastor here. And I don't know if anybody's ever told you precious people this, but the United Methodist Church is a Pentecostal denomination. And they just said, great, we thought so. <laughs> ah, wonderful. It was a tremendous blessing to me. And, and, but that taught me, if we'll spend some time asking God, how do you want me to pray? If you give me the prayer, I'll pray it. God says, if you pray it, I'll answer it. But we want to jump over the strenuous work of finding out what is the will of God he wants me to pray my way into. We just want to claim our neighbor's Cadillac by faith. So what do we have out of all these things? God is not running every minute-to-minute -minute detail of your life. There are some things that happen. They happen in life. We live in a fallen universe. And I, for one, will not sit in a funeral home and tell some grieving mother that her six-year-old died of leukemia because it was the will of God. I won't do that, and I won't stand for it. I won't be in the place where anybody else says it.
But we live in a fallen universe. There is this thing called leukemia. There is this thing. And sometimes people get it, and sometimes they die. There is also a miracle-working God, and there is absolutely nothing wrong and everything right about stepping up to God and saying, God, I believe you, and I'm asking you to heal my child, and I'm going to hold on to that prayer and pray that prayer by faith until there is absolutely no reason to pray it anymore, and then I'm going to trust you for eternity. But as long as I have breath and as long as my sick child has breath, I'm going to petition you for a miracle. I'm going to believe for the miracle. But our our ultimate answer to all these things is eternity. That's That's our ultimate answer to these things. Say, God, I just, my little girl died of leukemia. I wish I could see her. He says, you will. I wish she were well. He says, she is. I miss her. He says, I know. I know. But you're just going to be amazed at how quickly you're with her again and how long you're together. So our God is a miracle working God. He's all powerful God. He's not sitting up at some computer in the sky trying to figure out where you park. He's not tearing the wings off of butterflies. He is a God who can and will and does answer prayers and sends miracles into our lives. But we are not his arrogant and presumptuous bosses who tell him when we get miracles. We submit just as we pray in the Lord's Prayer, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. But that's not a scary prayer. That's not a scary prayer. I can pray that prayer boldly and with faith and with joy. Thy will be done. And it doesn't frighten me because the will of God derives from the character of God. And our God is a holy and loving God. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to The Leader's Notebook with Dr. Mark Rutland. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review today's podcast. You can follow Dr. Rutland on Twitter at Dr. Mark Rutland or visit his website, drmarkrutland.com. Join us next week for another episode of The Leader's Notebook.